Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there are times in the Christian life when all seems to be darkness. Darkness because of many things, perhaps our own sins and their consequences. Perhaps the sins of others who have hurt us. And all of us, all the time, are subject to that darkness which is upon the world, the brokenness which is in the world because of the sin of Adam. Sickness, disease, accidents, death. And darkness brings despair. Darkness brings despair and it can lead to depression where we feel that we have no hope. And you look at Psalm 88, that very darkest psalm in the middle of the Psalter. My soul is full of troubles. You have put me in the depth of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. My companions have become darkness. And if you haven't felt that in your life because you're still young as a Christian, you will feel it. It's what we go through as we pilgrimage through the desert of this world to the promised land of heavenly glory. Now, Jacob is in the dark. Now, chapter in many levels, he's in the dark with respect to the future. What's going to happen? He's in the dark with respect to the present. He is stripped of everything. He is separated from his loved ones. He's hated by his own brother who's breathing threats of murder. I mean, stop and think about that. You have to run away from home. You're all by yourself in the wilderness with nothing, literally nothing. You're used to living like a prince. Your own brother is out literally to kill you. We can't even... We can't even imagine that. That's what the situation is for Joseph, uh, for, for, for Jacob, sorry. And he's on his way to family in Haran to look for a wife. But how different this journey than the journey to look for a wife for Isaac. You remember Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, going with a great company loaded with gold and all kinds of precious gifts with men of war. And they, were, they, they arrived as a, a group fit to seek the wife of a prince. And compare that with Jacob. He has nothing. Esau, back home, he's there. He's got all the comforts, all the wealth. He's got all the stuff, all the privileges. He has everything. And Jacob is reduced to nothing. He is alone, he's in the dark, and he has a stone for a pillow. Now it is often in the darkness that God comes to us. Often when we have reached the end of our rope, when we hit the bottom of the well, the pit, when we hit the brick wall of hard reality that we cannot fix our lives, that we have no power to make things better, then God comes to us with grace, with hope, and with precious promises. And that's what he does here in this chapter. There's that vision of Jacob. There's the ladder connecting heaven and earth. 
and the angels going up and down into, from heaven to the place where Jacob is. What does it mean? Well, it means that Jacob, in all of his loneliness and his poverty and his affliction, that his life has significance, not just a little bit of significance, but cosmic significance. There are messengers of heaven going up and down to heaven, and, and things are happening. Heaven is at work on earth because God cares, and God is doing something. And there at the top of the ladder, there's God, and he speaks from heaven to Jacob. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am the God of the covenant. I am the God of steadfast, faithful covenant love. I am the God who establishes a relationship of love and grace and faithfulness and life with unworthy sinners like you. I am your God. You are my people. Those are the, those are the basics of the covenant which we read throughout the Scripture. And that is true for Abraham. I am his God, and he is the leader of my people. That is true for Isaac, and it is true, Jacob, for you. You have the promise, the promise of a land and a people. And remember, brothers and sisters, what that means. The, the promise of a land and a people is a picture. It's a picture of heaven. The promised land here on earth and God's people living in the land around the temple and worshiping God and living under the blessing of God, that is a picture of heaven. Because the promised land will be a place where everyone is part of God's family, where everyone loves him and worships him. It's a place where, in, where instead of living in sin under God's judgment, people can live in the light of his love in fellowship with God, not in enmity against him. A land where God dwells with his people, a land where we belong, where we are at home, where we're part of God's family. We are his loved children. Those are the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and they come in the darkness of the night. To Jacob. And he says, Look, you see there in verse 14, you've got the promise of the land, you've got the promise of a great people to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. They will spread. Here you are, Jacob, you're a single, you're alone, you're on the run, you're reduced to nothing, but I promise you. I will make you into a people so numerous that they cannot be counted like the dust of the earth. And we're here in Bethel, and Bethel is the center of the promised land, right in the middle. And so in every direction, there will be the children who are Jacob's children, the children who are God's children, the children who are children of the covenant. Those are the promises, a land and a people. And they're spoken from heaven to Jacob in his darkness.
That's all very nice. But Jacob doesn't see any of this. He doesn't see any of this. It's still dark, and he's still got a stone for his pillow. It's just words. And then God says, verse 15, I am with you. That evokes, that reminds us of Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That is the comfort of faith. That is the comfort for the believer. We want solutions that we can see. We want God to change our external circumstances because we don't like them, because they hurt, because they're scary. And God says, often God says, no, I'm not going to do that. This is what you need, more than a change in your external circumstances, more than me taking away the pain, more than me taking away the darkness. This is what you need. I am with you. And that's enough. That's all you need. I have promised you great things, and I won't leave you. I will never leave or abandon or forsake you until I have fulfilled my promises. I am with you. I will protect you. I will bless your journey with success, and I will bring you back to the promised land. That's what you need to hold on to. What you don't see, you must believe. So brothers and sisters, the word of God comes into our darkness and it changes everything. Jacob understands that the most significant thing is not the darkness, the anxiety, the fears, and the loneliness. But the most significant thing is what he finally stumbles upon and confesses in verse 16. Surely, The Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. That's where God wants us to arrive at, brothers and sisters. That's where he wants to get us to. We look at all the darkness and the fears and the anxieties and they oppress us. And and God wants us to get to that point where in our affliction, in our suffering, we see that God is there that he is present and that he is our rock, our refuge, that he surrounds us with his protection, his love, and his grace, and that that is what we need most. And so when Jacob figures that out, when he sees his situation in a different light with the eyes of faith that changes everything, look at verse 18, so so early in the morning, early in the morning, First thing, Jacob acts with the alacrity of faith, with the, with the speed, the, the quickness of faith, he, because faith is quick to act. He can't see any change in his external circumstances, but he responds to God's word of promise with faith. He believes because faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And faith changes everything. The first act of the day is an act of worship. 
What was a stone pillow in the darkness of his lonely fear becomes a pillar of worship in the light of faith. He doesn't have an animal with him, so he can't do a blood sacrifice. And plus, there is not yet the ceremonial law which stipulates all the different sacrifices of the Old Testament dispensation. So Jacob worships as best he can in Bethel, the house of God. It's got a little bit of oil because you would travel with oil for different reasons. Cook with, to use for medicinal purposes. And then he he uses that to anoint his pillow to become a pillar of worship. And so with an act of worship, a profession of faith in response to God's promises can be seen right here, brothers and sisters. He's professing faith in what God has spoken to him. Now, if you look at the words of our text, 18 through to 22, and you just read it very quickly out of context with the rest of the chapter, you might get the impression that Jacob is bargaining. He's saying, well, okay, uh, if God does some things for me and, and I see that he kind of fulfills my expectations, then I will be pleased to make him my God. As if Jacob's bargaining and demanding certain things from God before he places his trust in him. But look carefully at the language of what he says here in our text. He says, if God will be with me, he's, he's responding almost word for word to the promise of God. Look back in verse 15. Behold, I am with you. And so Jacob, he goes with that. God said, I am with you. And, and then Jacob says, well, if God will be with me, then, and will keep me in this way that I go. That's his words again. Now look back at verse 15. This is the promise of God. I will keep you wherever you go. Again, he's almost word for word repeating the promise of God. And then he continues, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. And here he hooks into the promise of God. Again, back in verse 15, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. What he adds is bread to eat and clothing to wear. Why? Well, bread and clothing are the basics of life. What does the New Testament say? If we have food and clothing, with this we shall be content. What is he saying? He's saying, well, if God will give me my daily bread, if God will give me what I need to serve him, and will bring me back again to my father's house in peace. These are not words of bargaining or demanding these are words of a faith response, a believing response to the promises of God. If God's word is true, his promises are sure. If God has covenanted with me, I will respond in faith. And that's the character of covenant in the scriptures. Often, over and over again, the Lord says, I am the Lord, your God, and you are my people. I am with you. I will provide for you. I will protect you. I will give you what you need. I will lead you on the way. And so Jacob hooks into that scriptural truth and promise. He says, if God has given me all these promises, if God is showing himself to be faithful covenant God, then he shall be 
my God. He has made me his own. I belong to him. I am under his care. He has promised his love and protection. I shall acknowledge and worship him as my God. And then this stone will be God's house. I'm not sure if Jacob knew this or not. It doesn't seem to be because it just says he came to a certain place. I don't think he really realizes that Bethel is one of the first places when Abraham came into the promised land that he built an altar to worship God. This is God's land. And this is the very geographical center of the promised land. In this land, God is present. In this land, God is to be worshipped. And so he sets up this stone as a pillar of the house of God. And then he ends verse 22 at the end there, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Everyone knew in Jacob's time in ancient culture that this is a sign of devotion to God, that you give him the first and the best 10% of income and growth dedicated to God as an act of thankful worship. What is Jacob's saying with that, he's saying, well, I'm not just going to talk about my faith. I'm not just going to do some religious ritual right now and then go on living day by day as if God doesn't exist. I'm going to live my faith. I will engage in acts of worship. I will acknowledge that the land of promise is where God is present. And I will give the first and the best of the fruit of my labors to be dedicated to God because God is the center of my life. God is my priority. God gives meaning and significance to my life. God is the goal of my life. Well, that's all perhaps very nice to you and interesting and even perhaps in some ways moving to see God and Jacob and the relationship and the love and the covenant. But why did we get out of bed this morning and drive to this building to hear this story, this, this historical event? Why, why are we thinking about it right now? What does it have to do with us? Well, brothers and sisters, we remember that Genesis is our family history. This is the history of the people of God. Abraham is our father, the father of all believers. Jacob is our ancestor. So we can look at Jacob and realize that he is a leader, a prince of God's people. He's an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we are not. And we may think to ourselves, well, I'm I'm just no one. I'm just a, a member of God's people, but I'm... I'm no one compared to Jacob. So what does this have to do with me? So brothers and sisters, we need to realize as we sit here this morning that we are sons and daughters of the living God. That you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. The apostle says to us, do you not know that you will judge angels? The scripture says that we will reign with Christ over the entire universe, that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Now, sometimes 
even though we have this great and high and exalted status in Christ. You may feel alone in the darkness, and all you see is pain and brokenness and despair, and you may feel powerless and insignificant. You can't change your external circumstances. God speaks to you today from heaven. At this moment, he speaks to you from heaven. I am the Lord, your God. And I promise you the world, literally. You are the meek that shall inherit the earth. And I promise you eternal joy with that innumerable company of the elect in life eternal. Yes, I promise you a land and a people in a way that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob couldn't imagine. I am Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. A glorious, glorious, blessed truth in Old Testament times. Made even more glorious and blessed after the death and resurrection and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ and the outpouring of his spirit because God with us today means Christ in us. You know, there is Jacob in Bethel, Beth, house, El, God. So Bethel, house of God. There he is, the house of God. But here you are and you are a temple of the living God, the Holy Spirit of God and all the glory of the presence of God in the Old Testament, holy of holies, dwells in you. Yes, that glorious presence of God behind the curtain lives in you today. You are the temple of God. You are Bethel, the house of God, as an individual believer and together as congregation. And so believer, you can look at your heart and you can say, you know, this my heart. By the regenerating power of the Spirit of God, this my heart is no longer a, a stone, a cold, hard heart of stone, of unbelief. It is no longer a stone. It is now Bethel, the house of God. Jesus lives in my heart. And that is the blessing, brothers and sisters, that God speaks to us from heaven today, Christ in you. There he is at the right hand of God. Here he is in your heart. It is Christ who connects heaven and earth. He is that ladder which connects you to heaven itself, every detail of your life. Heaven is at work. Angels are descending and ascending from heaven to your life upon the Son of Man. And every moment, every experience in your life, every detail in your life has heavenly significance, cosmic significance, eternal significance significance. There is nothing in all your joys and all your sorrows, in all your routines and all your activities, there is nothing which is insignificant in the eyes of God. 
and in view of eternity. And to you, God says, I will not leave you or forsake you. I will do everything that I have promised you. And brothers and sisters, you have the proof of that right before your eyes. You have the holy word of God. Here we are in chapter 28 of Genesis. What did Jacob have? He, he had the accounts of creation, the fall, the flood, and, and perhaps some written accounts and some genealogies passed down through the generations. But he didn't have anything near to what we have. We have an entire book which records and registers that God is faithful to his promises. Not one of his words have fallen to the ground. All of his promises are yes and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have proof of it right here before our eyes. When the gospel breaks through into our darkness, what can we do but believe? What can we do but respond in faith what can we do but embrace God's promises? God's promises written out for us to see. God's promises stamped onto our very bodies in the water of baptism. God's promises tasted and seen in the Holy Supper. God's promises proclaimed in every sermon. Brother and sister, all of those promises, God is calling in you to do what our father Jacob did, to respond with faith. Now, the journey is hard, and there are lots of rough patches on the road ahead still until Jesus returns. And, you know, you hear all this stuff in the sermon, all these beautiful things about God and his promises, but your external circumstances have not changed. But we live by faith. We walk by faith. God has brought you safe thus far, and God will bring you home, and you will come again to your Father's house in peace. That's the promise, and he will keep it. Who then serves the Lord and fears him? God will guide him all his days, teaching him what path to follow, leading him in righteous ways. Then will he know happiness. And his children God will favor all the land they will possess as their heritage forever. Amen.